broadcasting live from the R&R Studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy, presented by Tequila Embajador. It felt great, you know, I was super happy about it and, uh, you know, just got to give credit to my teammates, you know, you know, coverage was amazing, um, you know, Max and Jan made him step up a couple of times and I was able to get there, so, you know, just it's great to, you know, kind of get that off your back and now you can just play and, and have fun, so, uh, um, you know, it feels really good, especially coming off the ACL and, and just uh, being here with the team, you know, you know, I miss the game a lot. That was Solomon Thomas, uh, the Raiders' defensive tackle, who had a couple of sacks against the Pittsburgh Steelers and has contributed uh, to what this defensive line is doing, and uh, it's, it's doing some pretty good work, uh, Lincoln. And I wanted to throw some, uh, some, some numbers by you real quick. Um, T.J. Watt right now is the number one ranked uh, defensive end by Pro Football Focus. Uh, with a grade of 91.8, but right below him at number two is Max Crosby at 91.2 out of 100. Uh, Unique Ngakwe is number nine, and our guy Carl Nassib, who's quietly had a really nice year for the for the Raiders, um, getting pressure and kind of creating some havoc and being really, really solid in relief of both of those players, um, is number 12. So there isn't two teams in the NFL, Lincoln, that have two t- two guys uh, in the top ten, or even the top twenty for that matter. Let alone three. And the Raiders, the Raiders have two in the top ten, and three in the top fifteen or in the top twelve. Uh, it's pretty good stuff, especially for a team that last year um, just had all sorts of trouble generating a consistent pass rush and you know making things happen when it comes to sacks and things like that. Uh, it's just been a complete turnaround. And I know uh, Lincoln. You know, charting the offseason and going through the offseason, uh, Unique Ngakwe was the anchor to what they were trying to do on on uh, with the defensive line. They felt he was a, a game changer and changed the dynamic in a lot of different ways of that defensive line. But a lot of credit, too, uh, as well, to some unsung heroes, and that's the Solomon Thomases and the Darius Phylons and the Jonathan Hankins and the... And the um, uh, uh, Quentin Jeffersons, who are doing a job, and sometimes that interior defensive line position, uh, the numbers might not necessarily be there, but the effectiveness um, can't be ignored. They're they're asked to sometimes be an unsung hero to help free other people up uh, to do their thing, and they're getting the job done in the interior as well. Well, there's no doubt about it, and I will say this, that it's a really rewarding and comforting feeling as a defensive lineman that if you know the coverage is going to hold down in the back end, you're going to have a chance to probably get a sack. More importantly, when you talk about the last three games, it's been impressive that the defensive line has taken over for what they – I would say not necessarily inept, but deep offensive lines that have had issues. Does that make sense? Yeah. So all three of the offensive lines of the first three games have had issues. They've had, you know, new guys put in. They've had injury issues, much like the Raiders' offensive line. And the defensive line has been able to take, take advantage of it. When you watch the energy that the ends come off the line in a passing situation, you watch Max Crosby, you watch Ngakwe, you watch Carl Nassim, you watch them as they're going around the horn. They're not all the time expecting to get there. All they want to do is make the quarterback aware that they're there. And by stepping up in the pocket, now you have the Solomon Thomas, the Quentin Jeffersons, the Hankins and stuff like that are pushing that pocket and pushing that center, pushing that guard, collapsing that pocket. All four of them feel capable that they're going to get a sack. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I, I remember, and you know, it's also, um, uh, you know, it shows up too in, in other ways, run game um, a, a, as well, allowing other players to make some plays. I remember, you know, having a conversation with a interior defensive lineman. We're kind of talking, and uh, I didn't mean to, you know, maybe necessarily put him down uh, with what I said about, you know, the number of tackles that he had and the number of sacks that he had, which were not a whole lot. Uh, and I wasn't being critical whatsoever, but but you know he he, he says to me, um, yeah, uh, how many double teams uh, am I eating up per game? And, Certainly. And I was like, well, you know, I looked at it. He goes, where does that rank in the NFL? I said, I looked at it, number one. He's like, yeah, uh, and I'm happy to do it, man. He goes, I take pride in the fact that teams want to double team me, and right. if I, if they're doing that, I'm doing my job because those dudes behind me that are running around filling lanes, you know, uh, in, in run fit and making the tackles at the line, it's kind of I'm, I'm helping along yeah. the way. It might not show up in any statistic other than the one I just pointed out to you, which you kind of have to go dig to find out. But he's doing his job, and I think that that defensive line, while the the sheer counting numbers might necess- not necessarily always be there. They're doing a good job allowing Denzel Perryman, allowing Corey Littleton and KJ Wright when he's in there, and Jonathan Abram, uh, who's playing closer to the line of scrimmage. They're they're helping those guys do their jobs uh, at a higher level as well. I remember uh, again playing against the Ravens in the early 2000s, and we had a term on the offensive line that we would use for defensive guys like that. They were called block eaters, right? And and they had Sarah Goose and Sam Adams. Mm-hmm. Um, two or more notable defensive tackles through league history. And I remember playing against one time when Saragusa was over, and he was perfectly content with taking the double team between Mo and I and just grabbing both of our jerseys and falling down. Right. Because he knew that Ray Lewis was going to make the tackle. Yep. You see what I'm saying? And, and you were freed up. And there are, there are systems within the league that still utilize that, you know, where you want your linebackers to make play. That's why they're accessible to be sideline to sideline guys. Tampa Bay is another one like that. With those defensive tackles they have, you have to concentrate on the front line before you can worry about the linebackers. But, yeah, the block eaters, and, and they're, they're, that's accessible. When it comes to passing situations, it's another game. I mean, because now you can't isolate uh, uh, Solomon Thomas or Quentin Jefferson just on an inexperienced center or guard because they're going to eat them for lunch. Yeah, and, you know, um, it's probably not, uh, uh, you know, the, the you're not going to get the notoriety, again, in terms of the counting stats and the, and, the, and the sexy numbers and all the accolades in that regard. So it kind of takes a special dude uh, to be able to be content with that. Um, but I'll say this. Sean McVay used to always say this. The guys who know, know. You know, like Charlie sitting up in the Section 500 might not know, but it's not important for him to know. It's important that I know it, uh, that I know that this dude is eating up double teams left and right and and allowing, you know, guys behind him to make make plays. So the guys who know, know, and sometimes that has to be enough uh, for players that play that unsung position. But I got to ask you, I mean, you played a position where – you know, when you hear about Lincoln Kennedy, sometimes it's for the wrong reasons, you know, right? Because you gave up a sack, right? Um, and, and if you're not mentioning Lincoln Kennedy throughout the course of the game, um, that's a good thing because you're doing your job. So, I got to ask you, um, where what was your satisfaction? What was your uh payoff? Uh, just keeping your quarterback healthy, keeping your quarterback clean, um, yes, you know what I'm saying? Like, yes, like, all that, yeah, having a hundred yard rusher, winning the game. Right. That was where my satisfaction came in. I didn't need the accolades. I didn't need to be pointed out. I didn't need to get player of the game. I'd much rather know that if my quarterback finished the day upright and his jersey was clean, our job was done as an offensive line. 
Yeah, and it's important to 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 uh, make that distinction because not everybody is, you know, uh, all fired up about you know going up there and speaking at the podium or or you know getting all the accolades or getting all the camera time. There's, and they weren't offensive linemen. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that, that's what I'm saying. Like, like there's, there's. I'm saying, I'm saying, there's plenty of guys that don't, that, yeah, that yeah. don't seek that out. Uh, there are some that obviously do, <laughs> um, but there's a lot of guys in this sport that um, that understand. You know, uh, I've got a job to do. I do it really, really well. Uh, I'm one of the top one percent at it in the uh, in the entire world. But I don't need all the other nonsense. Right. I don't need all that. I, I I'm satisfied that my coaches and my teammates uh, really respect that. And I'll say this too. Um, it just reminded me of something that Alex Caruso, the former Lake, said. Uh, weird that you know I, 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 I tangented it off off to that direction, but he said something that was so incredibly poignant, um, Lincoln. That I think every athlete in any sport that you're talking about uh, should really wrap their heads around and and kind of come to grips with in certain situa- in, in certain cases. Um, you know, Alex played in the in in, in the G League, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. Um, and what, one of his observations were that guys have it all wrong in the G League. They're trying to score 27 points a game. You're not if you're in the G League, nobody's really looking at you for that. When right. you're in the G League, they're looking for specific role type players. Great, you can score 27 points a game in the G League. It's not going to really translate to the NBA. So get that out of your head and stop trying to play like that. And he said, he goes, it's like when you go to a job interview expecting the CEO position, and they're really just looking for a janitor. You know, so know what you are, know what they're looking for for you to get there to the NBA and do that really, really well, even if it's just boxing out and rebounding and defending and maybe, you know, uh, uh, you know, making some passes, coming off the bench, uh, that type of player. Know what it is that they're looking for and master that rather than trying to be the Michael Jordan of the G League, which nobody cares. <laughs> nobody wants yeah. that. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, I, I think that when you learn at a very young age, I, I know I did, when I first started playing football in high school, um, and started watching football, I gravitated towards the Dallas Cowboys as a fan. And I, one of the guys that I kind of felt I had similarities to was Ed Tuttle-Jones. Right. Because we were tall, yeah. you know, and, and kind of related to that. And so I patterned my game at defensive line after him. Wanted to play like him. So the moves that he did on the field, I tried to do, you know, imitate in, in life. And when I had an opportunity to get a college scholarship, I asked the colleges that I narrowed it down to to recruit me as a defensive lineman. I wanted the glory of getting a sack or being that big playmaker. The I didn't want to play offensive line. comes lineman. out. Yeah, I didn't want to play the offensive line. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. the offensive linemen didn't get the stats, didn't get their names in the paper yes, and stuff sir. like that. Yep. But at the same point, when I got to University of Washington, we changed things after my freshman year, my redshirt year. You know, Coach James came to me and he said, look, you can stay on defense, but you're probably not going to play that much. Or you can make the change to offense. I called my mentor at the time, who was my high school coach, um, and, and it was really close friends. And I said, Coach Shaq, they want me to switch over to offense. What do you think about that? And he says, look, I promise you, Lincoln, if you go over to offense, your future, you'll be an all-pro one day. Right. And I was like, really? <laughs> and so, you know, the, 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 the light went on for me there, made the transition, and obviously the rest is history. But, you know, I know that a long time ago that I gave up the factor of wanting to be the glory or have the glory. I wanted to be a team player. I wanted to be accountable. And that's what I held, took very close pride in my position, in my craft, because I didn't want to let my other teammates down. I had 10 other guys on the football field that I, did, I was held accountable for, and I had to make sure that my assignment was done at a high enough level to keep us competitive. 
And that's that. I mean, that's that's how I played at the level I did for as long as I did. Yeah, and here's the other thing. Um, you know, we we mentioned earlier that if Lincoln Kennedy's name is getting called, it's for probably the wrong exactly reason, right. unfortunately. Yeah. But it it really does also drive home the the, the point. This is an eleven player deal on offense and, and defense too. And if and if and if one player isn't you know on the same page, or if one player makes a big big mistake, it could be catastrophic to the play. Period. You don't make a block, your quarterback gets his head taken off. You don't make the right block, the running back uh, gets you know uh, crushed. stone cold right. crushed exactly. you know behind the line of scrimmage. You that's it. It doesn't matter what the center did, what the guard did, what the tight end did, what the quarterback did, or anybody else. Everybody could have done things perfectly, but if Lincoln Kennedy uh, or the guard or the center or whoever just one guy doesn't do what he's supposed to do. The whole thing, you know, goes to heck in a handbasket. So that's uh, why it's a team game. Exactly. Uh, by the way, just want to let everybody know that you can now get your Demon Rum shipped directly to you at drinkdemonrum.com. The more you buy, the better the, the better the deal. And now, for being a fan, you can get ten percent off your total order. Enter Demon Vinny ten in the coupon code. That's Demon Vinny ten at drinkdemonrum.com to get ten percent off. Your next order of Demon Rum, it's good stuff. I highly recommend it. So uh, go get yourself some uh, at drinkdemonrum.com. Going to go out to the Raider Nation listener line. Dan is on the line. How you doing, Dan? Hey, Vinny B. What's going on, man? Hey, Vinny, I met you week one. I told you I'd give you a call. Uh, Dan from Chicago, Chicago, Illinois. Absolutely, Dan. How you doing, man? Good, good. Uh, yeah, appreciate all the work you do. I want to thank you again. And uh, Lincoln? I'm really enjoying the book. I bought it uh, uh, this uh, what, last week, and I read it on the plane since uh, on the way uh, way to Vegas. Thank you for so, your support. Appreciate that. It's Thank awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's a great book. You and Paul did a good job. Thank you. So, yeah, uh, Vinny, uh, my question is uh, just I want to know about the team chemistry. You, you've covered a lot of teams, you know, in, in L.A. and all those years, and I want to know it seems like this, uh, this team's got uh, good bonding. It, it seems like something special is brewing. Like uh, Paint Barter, Barber on Monday on your show, he said this is a different locker room. It's like the best team he's been been on in his career. I was watching uh, Hunter Renfro's uh, mic'd up on the Raiders YouTube, and Nick Martin came up to him on the bench and said he's the most reliable teammate he's ever had. So I just want to get your opinion if you uh, covered any teams like this in uh, your time. Yeah, I have, and um, it's 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 not anything uh, to discount. Uh, a, you know, aside from Derek and and a couple of other, you know, older older veterans, a guy like Casey Hayward and KJ Wright, uh, those type of guys. A lot of these guys are are kind of the same age, um, and there's a there's a big group of them that are exactly right there in the same one or two years apart uh, uh, type deal, uh, and and they're very very close. You saw it last night um, at the uh, Las Vegas Aces WNBA playoff game. Congratulations to the Aces uh, for taking care of business last night, uh, but. I mean, a large contingency of Raiders players were out at the game last night supporting the Aces. We all know that Mark Davis owns the Aces. He owns uh, the Raiders uh, as well. Uh, So there they were together, sitting together, enjoying the game, cheering on the Aces. That's just kind of how this team rolls. And, Lincoln, um, I wanted to bring this up to you uh, because, you know, living here in Las Vegas – being in Las Vegas for the Raiders, it's a very cost-effective type of a place to live. Um, not every venue in the NFL or not every market in the NFL is as accommodating across the board. Like, if you're a player on the Raiders, you could pretty much live 
in whatever neighborhood you want out here. And there's some right. really, really nice ones. You get a lot for your buck. Right. Uh, and and many of them, many of the best neighborhoods are right, literally right next door to their to their facility or, yeah. or a very short drive from it. And, you know, I know working in Los Angeles, uh, if you're, you know, uh, a rookie offensive lineman, fifth round pick, guess what? It's not really all that cost effective <laughs> living in Los Angeles. No, no. So during you're probably the- living in the Valley East or somewhere. <laughs> they're trying right. to struggle with an apartment, well, right? Well, <laughs> funny, funny story. Their starting center now, Brian Allen, uh, his rookie year. I remember talking to him. I go, hey, did you find a place to live? Yeah, we're out in the Valley uh, over in Woodland Hills. Got a house in Woodland Hills. I go, you got any roommates? And he's like, yeah. I go, oh, you know, who are they? He goes, him, him, and him. <laughs> and he, he pointed to all these guys, the other young players in, in the locker room. So I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah, exactly. It's like Animal House, I'm sure, because you know that, how that It's goes. like back in college, right? Right. But he couldn't. It was, it right, was yeah. what they had to do Certainly. to be able to, you know. And then, of course, in the offseason, a lot of those guys have to just hightail it to wherever it is oh, that yeah. they're from. Oh yeah, because it, it's hard to live yeah. in a place like that yeah. year round, and and I would imagine that was the case also in the Bay Area. In fact, I, I know it was, and um, it's 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 totally different here. Uh, so uh, the, the importance of that Lincoln is that when you drive by the facility during the off season, it's packed with cars because um, right. players are going there. What well, you know what they're going to go work out, get their yeah. get their work in at a world class facility together. They get fed, they get taken care of. Oh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So um, it's just a lot more conducive too, as well, to, to team bonding. And um, and I think it's important. I don't think that's something that you can just discount. And to answer the question, yeah, I I really do believe that this is a close team. I kind of got an inkling. Uh, of that uh, in, in 2020, early in 2020, before the pandemic hit, I went out to Wisconsin and hung out with Alec Ingold uh, for, for about a week. Um, and I, I just noticed him always you know, texting. It's not unusual for a young guy to be texting. But he was telling me that a lot of those texts were um, you know, a group chat that he had with a bunch of other young players from the Raiders. And all throughout the offseason, you know, if you were in town or out of town, this was still when they were kind of making the transition to Las Vegas. So not everybody was set up necessarily here. But they were all texting each other and, and staying in touch and challenging each other and motivating each other because they, they all sort of said, look, we're going to be – the reason this thing gets turned around. That's what our goal is. That's what we're challenging each other to do and to be about. And they've held each other accountable. And through that process, they've got really close. Now, look, I've been around teams that hated each other or not hated each other. But when they left, they left. They were, you know, I'm going home here. I'm going home here. I'll see you at work tomorrow morning. You're the last person I want to hang out with that night. Um, and, and it's worked. That's worked, too. But it just seems, Lincoln, like this is a pretty darn close-knit team, and i got to believe that it helps um, you know, when they're out on the field as well. Yeah, the short way of saying that this team has come a long way in a short amount of time was even the, the fact that you the turnover of the roster and the influence that the draft picks had in the locker room. Uh, it's still really a young team. Now, they've added some pieces, obviously, through free agency that have added to it, but the fact is, is that Gus Bradley brought in guys who are familiar with the system that he's had past history for also buys in or leads to the chemistry. Um, and, and then, you know, look, there, there were a lot of people who were reluctant saying, oh, there shouldn't be a team in Sin City. They're, you know, they won't know how to act. There's too much trouble to get in. But the case in point that you just pointed out, having that influence in one, and going to an Aces game means that these guys are, are trying to do right. They're, I mean, for the most part, they're avoiding the temptation or they haven't got caught up. And the team has been there for, you know, two seasons. I know one year was COVID, but let's look at it for the fact it is that you haven't heard a lot of negative news nah. of guys getting in trouble in that city. 
you know, Raiders. So that's that's a good sign going forward. And I think that also has to attribute to the youth. Uh, look, I'll, I'll be honest. If 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 when I was playing, if, <laughs> I was if, 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 no, they, yeah, no, no, you, yeah, we it we were we, it was a different time, different time, different different animal altogether. We would it would have been bad for us if we were in Cincinnati. Listen, but. I I have conversations <laughs> even with younger writers. And they're looking at me like I'm speaking a foreign language. I'm Absolutely. like, yeah, things were definitely different. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, I'm just saying. And Every time we got to see you Wednesday call, I was on the next thing smoking out <laughs> right. of the Bay Area to Las Vegas. Yeah, so. <laughs> exactly. And uh, the party, uh, it just, it was just a different, different time. time. But you know what? Yeah. It was also, you know, um, you didn't have phones. You didn't have all the right, all right, the right. social all media the stuff and like, stuff yeah. like that. You also true. didn't have the knowledge. We were probably stupid in a lot of ways. We were probably really dumb in some of the things that we did. But you know what? You live and you learn and, and all that. Uh, but it certainly was a different time yeah. and uh, in some ways a better time. Um, <laughs> just throw that out there. We'll just well. leave it at that. Yes. You know what you mean. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, you're in the huddle with Vinnie Bonster and Lincoln Kennedy brought to you by Tequila and Bajador Radio Nation Radio 920 AM on a Wednesday. Interact with the show. Text Vinny and Lincoln on the Sam and Ash text line at 69187 or tweet them at Vinny Bonsignor and at LKennedy72. This is In the Huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. We're going to go right out to the uh, Raider Nation listener line. Dan is on the East Coast. It's getting late in the day. Oh, sorry. Uh, JR? We're going to go to JR, uh, who wants to talk about the Raiders. How you doing, JR? Hey, what's up, Vinny? What's up, Big Link? How's everybody? We are good. Well, good, good. Listen, um, me being on the East Coast, I couldn't call in yesterday. But I wanted to call in today to back my boy Link up on something that you guys were discussing with some of the listeners yesterday. And that's the fact that, listen, I love what Coach is doing. Coach is he, he, he's doing his thing, but he has a flaw that I think – I'm afraid, rather, can prove to be fatal down the line. And that's his con- his continual tendency to get very conservative when he has the lead. Now, Vinny, you said you didn't feel that he was that conservative, and you kept basically equating everything to that one third and three play that you that Derek Carr threw the incomplete pass to Brian Edwards. But that's not the only drive that stalled in the second half when they had the lead. The Dolphins didn't come back based off of that one stalled drive. And the problem is this is a trend, Vinny. This isn't just a one-off. This is a trend that John Gruden has. When he has the lead late in the second uh, second half, he tends to stop playing an opponent and starts playing against the clock. And I can name you a number of instances where he's done that, and he's made the games a lot closer than they had to be because he stops playing the opponent's and starts playing the clock. You can go back to last year, the first Chargers game. When he got down in the red zone, he played for the field goal. He ended up escaping that game because of two plays that Isaiah Johnson made on the, deep in the red zone, two pass breaks. He's not playing for field goals, though. He's not playing for field goals. JR, he's not playing for field goals. He got tight. He got tight with his play calling. And he does that a lot. He got tight with his play calling in 2019 in a couple of games. One against the was it the Bengals where it came down to them having to get a last stop on the last drop, and against the the, uh, the Detroit Lions, a lot of games when he gets the lead instead of keeping his foot on the gas, he gets conservative and he starts playing against the clock rather than the opponent. This is a trend, Vinny. This isn't a one-off. This is a trend I, me, that he has. I hear what you're saying, Jr. I'm going to run something by you, okay? Uh, Raiders lead by. 
they're winning 23 to 17. All right. They get the ball back um, with about three minutes or so uh, to play. Three, four minutes, 342 left to play. All right. Uh, Peyton Barber for three yards. Peyton Barber for 13 yards. Peyton Barber for a yard. Peyton Barber for three yards. Uh, Peyton Barber for a yard. Timeout, field goal. Now, I'm asking you this. What the drive that they put the game away against the Steelers was just heavy run plays. I knew you were going to bring that up. I knew you were going to bring that up because I got a rebuttal for that. But but hear hear me out first, okay? And I'll Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll hear your rebuttal. I think what, what, what ends up happening is everyone judges it on the result and not the, you know, uh, what they're trying to do and, you know, what they're trying to achieve. Okay. So it's easy to sit here and say, well, it didn't, you know, bad decision uh, last Sunday against the Miami Dolphins when they can't, when they couldn't do exactly what they did the week before against the Pittsburgh Steelers when it worked and everyone was like, yes, we needed a run game right there. We got the run game. Way to stay committed to the run game. Yes. All right. Cause it worked. But when it doesn't work, then that's a bad decision when, had it worked, I think you and everyone else would have been applauding it because that's what you want to do in that situation of the game. No, because nobody – listen, I was at that game. I, we, me and my buddy flew out to Pittsburgh. I flew out to that game with my buddy who's a Steelers fan. Okay, we were in the stands with a bunch of Raiders fans. And in that second half, I said to all the Raiders fans and my buddy, I said, my only fear is that they have a slight lead. I don't want John Gruden to get conservative. And what happened, he got conservative. Pittsburgh came down and scored and cut into that lead. Now, if you remember, he ran two plays and got stuffed. It was a third and long. He was in a position where he had to pass. Derek Carr took that shot to Henry Ruggs and opened the lead back up again. But Pittsburgh was able to stall a couple drives and get down there and score again because John Gruden got conservative. So nobody – I understand what you're saying – but my problem is this is a trend that John Gruden has of playing against the clock instead of playing. Listen, if you go back and look at the every coach the does that. Every coach, every coach is going to play it prudently. When you're when you're up by, they were up by six points uh, at the time, twenty three seventeen, and he and he and he with three minutes, three and a half minutes left to play. Uh, and he said, we're going to go get a field goal or whatever we can run clock off and, and be prudent about this. Had he gone had, had it been two pass incompletions or a sack, let's say, right. Everyone would have been saying, what are you doing? Like, why are you not taking clock off the, uh, you know, uh, taking time off the clock and, and it's imperative to get a run game going. Why are you abandoning the run game? They threw a bunch of times in that game. They needed it. Their problem was they couldn't run well enough. They finally found it late in the game, which was to me the right thing to do. I understand. Like, I just think it's 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 all based on results. It's not based on like I don't hear anybody complaining uh, after that Steelers game, uh, Lincoln, when they got the running game going and they were able to chew clock uh, and get three points out of it. No one was complaining at that point. Everyone was saying that's great way to end the game. Way to do what you're supposed to do. Well, the concern was, and and, and thanks very much for the caller. Appreciate it, Jared. Look, Gruden is a conservative coach. He always has been. One of my biggest gripes against him was that even when I played for him, he's, he was conservative. He was ultra conservative. But And I think he's getting a little bit more of a risk-taking. I understand what you're saying, Vinny, by leading the results and stuff like that. But here's the thing. I think that for the most part in today's game, when I watch it, 
there's not an overall amount of situational awareness, which is a coaching flaw. I think a coach should pull his offense to the side. Look, when we get the ball back, we're having trouble running the ball, so I want to use the short pass as the run. Right. I'm going to throw a bunch of short passes. You guys got to stay in bounds. Go down. Keep the clock running. Yep. Understand it. You know, you watch Derek Carr in the last two games. Pay attention to situational football with the lead. He gets the play. He holds him in the huddle. Yep. They hold the ball at the line, and he snaps it in five seconds. That's the right thing to do. Derek Carr didn't do that last year. Okay, so he's he's more aware of the situations, which is fine. Everyone needs to be aware of the situations. Everyone needs to understand the rules. And when you're struggling with one facet of your offense, even though you have a conservative coach, which Gruden is, there's no denying it. Even when you have a conservative coach, everyone has to be on the same page. Much like Josh Jacobs last year when they were in the goal line and he, he went down at the one. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Being aware of the situation. So I think that is where this team has grown. And, of course, as I said before, you know, they've made some further steps in this past game with the Dolphins with the run game. They understand a little bit more what they can do. Now they have to be aware because teams are keying in on that. These are the runs that you've done well in, in, in the past without Josh Jacobs there. So now we need to stop the runs, much like teams did in the second half of the season last year when the second time the Kansas City Chiefs played the Raiders at Allegiant Stadium. Uh, Steve Spagnoli, defensive coordinator, came out with a plan that negated some of the Raiders' best runs, and they were left to fall back on the pass, and their offense got a little bit stymied. Even though it was only a difference of a touchdown but between the game, they got a little bit stymied. You see what I'm saying? They had to find other resources. What we've seen so far is we've seen their ability to use other resources when part of their game has been stymied. But it is you know, to the fact that where you're, you're going to have a coach who's going to play the percentage. He's already shown he's playing analytics. He's going to be conservative at times. And, yes, the result is that the game was won and after the fact, but there is a time where it can be somewhat troubling because – What's your fallback plan if that doesn't work? Well, yeah. Um, you, Does that make sense? Yeah, uh, completely. Okay. Um, right. You know, I just, you know, the, the I sometimes equate conservative too, though, with prudent, uh, smart, smart football. It had, yeah. yeah and and I'm, I'm just, you know, throwing this out there again. Uh, if you throw it and you and and it's two straight incompletions that stop the clock, and now you got to punt it and not running any clock down um, to the other team. I guarantee you all the fans are like, what were you thinking right there? Run it. Run some clock. If you have to punt it, you punt it, and you put it in the hands of your of your defense. To me, that's the smarter thing to do. And I, I don't necessarily think it's conservative. Um, that's that's kind well, it's of— It's just a difference of opinion then. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, yeah. I mean, Absol- that's all it is. Absolutely. Is. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think most coaches you know, tend to do that. And, and if you really look at it last week, if Carlson kicks the extra point— Yes. That's the key to the whole thing because <laughs> then it plays out. If, if it's a 10-point lead, it plays out perfectly. Oh, so much different. So much different. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 or it, actually it, it would have made it an 11-point. That's well, the, yeah. or, I mean, so much different. Yeah. So much different. The fact that it, that he missed that and it came back to, to, to bite him in the ass, that's what, that's what happens all too often with this team. Yeah, and I hear the conservative thing. I mean, I think what, I think what Raider fans want to see is just be able to execute better. Whatever it is that you're doing – at the end of games so that you're not in peril, whether it's completing a third and three or, uh, you know, uh, being somewhat aggressive in how you're trying to move the ball, just move the ball one way or another. And so that you're, 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 uh, you know, either putting it out of reach, icing it, whatever the case might be, uh, and not giving the team another chance. I think that's what the ultimate, uh, you know, uh, issue is, is that late in games, uh, and against Miami Dolphins, this was a clear example, and it was both in the run and in the pass. 
was not being able to complete the play and then having to punt the ball back and give it, you know, and and when that extra point wasn't kicked, like Lincoln said, it was almost, you almost felt like something like that was going to bite him on the butt. It usually (laughs) does. It's uncanny how that all works out. Uh, Back out to the Raider Nation listener line, Derek Carr's hair. Huh? Yes. Derek Carr's hair is the name of the color. What's going on, man? It's Derek Carr's hair. Absolutely. Hey, look okay. at us, huh? I you're growing. Right you're growing by leaps and bounds, and you're getting darker for some you. reason. My my wife yeah, asked, is Derek Carr dying his hair? I'm like, no, I think that's the natural color. Maybe he was dying it before. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, yeah. I'm trying to write about that's, football, that's not a, hair. <laughs> yeah, that's a trade secret. We're not going to go into All right, that all right. Yeah, yeah. But I was just going to say, hey, I called you after the Steelers game. Look at that. We're blowing up all over the internet. I want to thank you for that. I know, you, you got it. You got memes it. Memes and everything. Glad I so could help. So that aside, yeah, thank you. Hey, Lincoln. So yeah. Derek uh, bought the book, bought your book with Paul. Thank you. Guterres, uh, and uh, we're reading it. He's reading it to us every night. And one of the things I was just, it's a great read. One, about half, we're, we're about half. But it solved a mystery for me. I remember back in the day, I heard you sign with the Arena League team. And I was like, <laughs> what? God. And I was like, it's, I was a little like concerned because I'm like, hard up for money? What is this? And then it just explains why you did it. So I'm right. not going to ruin it, but it's right. like, wow. Okay, I never, I, I never, obviously this is all. Well, thank you for your support. Media. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, that was great. Hey, so uh, quick question for you guys. Um, a couple of things. So uh, just some observations and then I'll take your kind of comments offline here. But um, yeah, I, I am uh, just Henry Ruggs. I think he's really turned a corner because last year he would have like games or spurts where he would pop and then he would disappear for stretches. Uh, you got the Pittsburgh game where he was the factor that really tipped the victory to uh, Las Vegas. And then you had the Miami game, obviously, where, you know, he made these hard catches, like contested catches in traffic. And, uh, it's just, I, I didn't know that part of the game. So I think that's great that he's going in. Yeah, I agree. Uh, thanks for the call, Derek Carr's hair. Uh, appreciate it. Um, we'll see if if uh, if if you keep growing out or get cut uh, anytime soon. Um, that's the uh, that's the big question around uh, the wow. Raiders these days. Uh, it's all about the hair. There's some of his old friends, uh, Devonte Adams in particular, who says, "I'll send a barber to your house, Derek, to cut wow. the hair." So right. it's it's gotten to that level. Uh, you know how it is, uh, yeah. Lincoln. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't remember it anymore because I don't have that problem, as you well know. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but 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 yeah, um, you know, uh, it's 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 interesting with uh, with with all that. But uh, you know, Lincoln. Um, somebody on on Twitter uh, pointed out that ultimately, at the end of games, you literally are playing against the clock, not necessarily the opponent at that point, and you right. have to be able to manage it. And I think what it ultimately comes down to is whatever the pa- whatever the uh, approach is, execute it, and that alleviates all problems about being conservative, prudent, whatever. Um, just make the play, and uh, I think it is incumbent, though, uh, Lincoln, not necessarily just at the end of games, but throughout the game that these Raiders figure out a way to run the ball more successfully. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's it, like I said uh, yesterday's show, it's a process that's going to happen. Unfortunately, due to the certain circumstances, it only can only you, you can only really practice it in the runs. And yeah. I know that seems a little ass backwards, but, you know, you've reported at, at your time at the facility, you know, what they're able to do practice or the extent of, you know, the guys are just banged up after the, the games, 
that they, they're not available to practice. and you, you, you can't go full speed or you don't want to run the risk of getting them hurt in practice when you need them ready for next week's game. So all those things come into view. So the time of getting your timing down, getting the offensive lines timing down, uh, especially with the new implants at guard, comes in, in full in full speed at the games. To your point, Lincoln, uh, Wednesday practices have, have by and large turned out to be just above the uh, above the shoulder stuff. I mean, absolutely. it's not even a practice anymore. Absolutely, absolutely. That's what that's one of the things that uh, that people when you talk about developing players, how are you developing developing them in shorts and, and shoulder pads yeah. or shorts and helmets? You know what I'm saying? I yeah, and look, look, you know, I know it's just my little neck of the woods in high school football that was as far as I played, but you know, we were getting after it at practice, man. That's how, that's only how that's that's how you get better, basically. You know, I and, totally agree. You know, so but you can't do that in the NFL because you only got a certain amount of roster yeah. spots, so you only got a certain amount of money, uh, and the games are what it's all about. And you just have to play that game. It's not like college where you got a hundred thousand players on the roster. You got fifty three, um, and at any given time, you may have forty five that are <laughs> healthy or less. So. It does become a challenge, and you got to try to do the best you can. Uh, Lincoln, thanks so much. Uh, we will talk to you tomorrow for 6 p.m. Always appreciate it. By the way, where are you going to be this week? I have uh, Washington at Oregon State, so I'll be in Cor- Corvallis. All right, nice. Bring an yep. umbrella. Yeah, there you go. I <laughs> uh, want to say thanks to Devon Cotton, our great uh, producer. Thank you to Bill Plaschke for being gracious enough uh, to join us in the huddle. Really appreciate that. We will see you guys tomorrow, 4 to 6 p.m.